When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here. We are back for the latest episode of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham. There's plenty to discuss today ahead of Sunday's Premier League match against Leeds United. As ever, I am joined by Alistair Gold. You were at Hotspur Way for the first time in a very long time this morning for Antonio Conte's press conference. We'll be discussing that shortly, but first of all, how are you? Yeah, a bit bleary-eyed because we had to get up at the crack of dawn to get to a nine o'clock. I know that doesn't sound very early, nine o'clock itself, but to get to Hotspur Way is uh, takes a little bit of time. Uh, yeah, nine o'clock uh, press conference, which is a bit earlier than I don't think we've ever had such an early presser from a Tottenham manager. So it was a new experience, but in a good in a way because it means we can you know do stuff like record this podcast nice and early because we've got all the stuff from it. And yeah, in-person press conference to be back in front of human beings. It's been more than 18 months. Um, it was lovely, to be honest. I love Hotspur Way. It is, you know, people that work there, they've got one of the most incredible working environments out there. You know, what is it, like £35 million training complex? They've probably spent another couple of million on it since it was built as well. It is, it's a beautiful place. And to be able to go back there after so long, um, it was good. And yeah, no, we'll talk about Conte and everything as well. He, he's a fascinating presence. He definitely has that aura. You, you definitely get that aura about him and the eyes. It's all in the eyes, honestly. He's got these ridiculously light blue eyes. They're a bit alien-like when you're looking at him and he probably keeps you in a bit of a trance. It's, uh, yeah, a new experience. It's really good. Yeah, uh, as you said, it was probably the first one, I think, since probably pre-Norwich City in the FA Cup or pre-Burnley in the Premier League. Yeah, March 2020, uh, whatever. That was the last in-person pre-match one we've had. We have had a couple of uh, pre- and post-match European ones recently. Obviously, I had Nuno after the Vitesse game. You had Nuno for the Pesos and the Rennes game as well. But this was the first in-person pre-match one we've had for a very long time. And it looks like uh, at least we're getting back to uh, a bit of normality with it. Uh, But it was a bit of a hybrid one with Zoom questions and then people obviously in person like yourself do you just want to give us a bit of an insight into what it was like today at hotspur way yeah it's um you know should stress for anyone that was concerned or anything we were very much you, you couldn't get in without having had a, a negative covid test you had to have one of those before you, you went in even though you know as well as your vaccination and everything and then once that was done just realised I've still got it on. They give you a little wristband, one of these that rips all the uh, hairs off your wrist when you take it off. So uh, I haven't taken it off yet because I'm scared. Um, and then, obviously, we all sat in our seats. There's the press. I don't know if anyone's ever got the chance to see what the press conference room looks like at Hotspur Way. It's quite a big room. Normally, you know, you'll know, Gessie, they pack in a lot of chairs in there. But what it was like today, it was a very different look. It was only three kind of lines of chairs going back down the middle of the room. 
Um, it was much more kind of truncated. It wasn't quite as spread out as it normally, I say spread out, there weren't as many chairs as there normally would be. And then what people might not know, when we normally go up to, um, when the press, uh, the manager first comes into a press conference, we'll go and stick our dictaphones, phones, whatever it is that's taping the press conference on the desk in front of them. Obviously, with Conte being in his bubble with the players and everything now, that's not something we can do anymore. So they set up a table about probably just over six foot in front, eight foot maybe in front of him, which we then put our stuff on and then that records. Um, thankfully, the audio was good enough that we're able to you know do our transcriptions and everything from. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was it was weird. It was like kind of getting back to some kind of normality, but not really normality. It was this weird hybrid thing of um, we had, I'd say there were only maybe maybe ten journalists in the room, another ten on Zoom. Every time we asked, we had to have our masks on the whole time, and every time we asked a question, we had to pull the mask down, pull it back up again as soon as we'd finished. Um, he obviously. Conte speaks a lot more than Nuno did, a lot more, which means that we're now limited to one question per journalist, which it works in some respects because it keeps the press conference moving and you don't get people asking a million follow-up questions to stuff. But on the flip side, sometimes there's other stuff you'd like to know about um, and it maybe wasn't kind of delved into. You know, we probably could have done with a little bit on, we're going to talk about it, we probably could have done with a bit more depth in what's happened to Romero, but we didn't actually get that. We kind of would explain all of that when we talk about injuries and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, it was interesting. It, it was nice to be back. And like I say, Conte's definitely got that thing about him. There was a little bit like the first press conference Jose Mourinho did in person, you know, very much, you know, this man's been there and done it and won it all. Um, and you get that impression from him. He's very experienced. He's, Got that, you know, I said about those kind of slightly alien um, eyes, which that kind of, the more I say that, it more sounds like a really negative thing. It's not. It is a really kind of strong feature he's got. It's a really cool feature. Um, but, yeah, he um, is a bit of a twinkle in those eyes. He, he likes to laugh. He's quite funny. He enjoys himself up there. But he also very much gets his message across. While he speaks a lot, I wouldn't say he's a waffler. You know, Poch would very kindly sometimes, I think, maybe talk too much to make sure he gave us some kind of line, but in doing so would probably waffle slightly. Um, and as anyone that knows me talking, <laughs> that's definitely not someone that can talk about waffling. Um, but with Conte, there's a lot of it. It is very much important information, and it's good. You know, We're going to talk about Tongi uh, on Bembele in a bit as well. I asked him about Tongi, and his answer was really fascinating. It's a really, really good answer. Um, and he did that to a lot of the questions. So, yeah, no, great to kind of see him in person, um, get back to something of some kind of normality, although it was a bit of a, like you say, a hybrid one. Uh, and great to get back to Hotspur Way, honestly. it's um, If they could just set me a little desk up somewhere at Hotspur Way, I would love that. It's such a nice place to work. It's not to say that, our, you know, obviously we're mostly doing remote working nowadays because the world has changed, but we have a very pleasant office in London where we want to go in there at Canary Wharf. But uh, no, Hotspur Way is has got to be up there with some of the best working locations in the world. Before we get on to, obviously, Conte's answer on Tongi on Dombelli, we'll start with injury news and everything just seems to be going so well during the international break up until Argentina's game against Brazil. 
Brazil, obviously. Harry Kane had scored seven goals for England. Stephen Bergwijn had scored the much-needed goal to send Holland to the World Cup and then registered an assist a few minutes later. Everything just seemed to be going perfectly. And then Argentina against Brazil, I think it was Tuesday evening, 53 minutes into the game, Christian Romero hobbles off with an injury. There was reports it was his thigh, reports it was his hamstring. We're not certain yet because Conte didn't delve into the issue itself. Uh, but from the pictures we've seen of Romero, he was clutching his hamstring yeah. when he was on the ground waiting for treatment. So Conte's basically said it's bad news about Christian and his injury. Um, he's spoken with the doctors and now it's about waiting another seven to ten days for another scan to uh, understand the time he needs to recover. That wasn't it in terms of the Argentinian players coming back. Giovanni Lo Celso also has a bit of an issue. Uh, Conte says he didn't come back perfect physically. So uh, it's unsure whether or not he'll be available for Sunday. But as you said after the press conference, it always seems to be the Argentina players. When they come (laughs) back, there's always an issue. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Lo Celso is fit and whether Romero, uh, when exactly he will be back. But I think all in all, Spurs have a decent run of fixtures coming up. So, you, obviously, you would like to line up with him in the team as you want to go with your strongest team. But I think Spurs can potentially get away with it. There's Davinson Sanchez, Joe Roden, uh, Jaffet Tenganga as well, who will all be fighting out for a place in that three-man defence. So it's going to be really interesting to see who would you go for then if you were Antonio Conte? Um, I'd imagine he'll go with the more experienced, certainly of Dyron Sanchez being in there. Um Maybe six with Ben Davies as well. Maybe you go with the three experienced players and unfortunately the two younger ones miss out. And I'm not saying that's what I'd do or probably what most people would do. But if you're Conte and you've worked with... you certainly worked with Dyer for the last fortnight, haven't you? Um, Sanchez, I think he went away and got kept a clean sheet as well. Ben Davies went away and scored his first ever world. You know, you, you nailed it. It's like, it was actually shaping up to be the best international break Spurs have ever had. You had all the great things that players did. You got um, Hoybier having a, a rest. He was injured and, and Denmark didn't risk him at all because they'd already qualified. So that was good. Um, you had uh, Sonny, there was a little worry about, but he was fine, came through it. And then, yeah, what is it about the Argentines? It really is. It's a weird thing. You look back and you think, Obviously, Eric Lamella had his his issues. Juan Foyth had some really badly timed injuries that kind of stuttered his process uh, progress as well. I think Paolo Gazaniga is probably the only one I can think of in the last couple of years that actually injury-wise didn't get many. Um, Romero, obviously, he arrived with an injury. Um, then he had that isolation, didn't he? And now he's got an, an injury from um, playing again against Brazil. It was Brazil in the Copa America final that he injured himself against as well. And Le Celso, oh, you know, Le Celso, he gets a lot of flack from the fans. And a lot of it, I think, is because of this feeling that he's quite brittle and that he picks up a lot of injuries. And the problem is he's not doing anything to dissuade that stereotype, is he? He just, he is absolutely coming back quite a lot with these little problems. And I mean, I think, was it a hip problem he had way back when he first came? Hip, like hip issue was the first one on the Pochettino, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I think maybe that's just something that either, if it's not the cause of injuries, leads to, you know, sometimes when a player has a serious injury, they kind of compensate and they end up getting little injuries in the rest of their body because they run in a certain way or they move in a different manner. Um, but LaSalle, so that's just, you know, it's a big chance for, for Tongi, I think, to kind of make sure he pushes ahead as that main playmaker. But yeah, with Romero, Romero, he sounded quite down about. You know, some of the info kind of going around, mainly from Argentina, was maybe it was a lesser hamstring injury, you know, maybe the grade one type. I just don't know. But the way he was speaking, it's almost like we won't really know for another week exactly how bad it is. Um, I think you'd normally know if it was, a, it was an all right one. Lo Celso doesn't sound serious because he was kind of essentially saying, I don't know whether he'll be okay for the weekend, which doesn't sound like a, a long-term one. Hoybier is going to start, uh, I think, full training today, he was hoping. So that should be fine. He should be well-rested. Um, and like you say, the fixtures, if there's a time for it, depends how long he's out for. But if Romero is going to be out for, let's say, a couple of weeks, he was suspended for the Mura game anyway. Um, yeah. You know, if those other defenders can't really do a job in these fixtures ahead, then the problems are a little bit deeper rooted than, you know, Christian Romero's injury. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd hope. I'd hope Spurs will be all right. Yeah, I think he'll go with Sanchez. I think he'll go with the experience. And to be honest, Sanchez didn't even deserve to be out of the team when Romero and Dyer came because he'd started the season so, so well. Uh, and it's just been so unlucky because even in the recent cup games, I thought he was probably one of the standout players for Tottenham in Vitesse, uh, putting a really uh, good shift as well against Burnley in the Carabao Cup and more than played his part when he came on for the final 15 minutes or so in uh, the return game against Vitesse in Conte's first game in charge. Personally, I'd like Joe Roden to be given a shot in the team. I think Joe's just been so, so unlucky since he's come in. Four different managers now in 12 months and he, he did seem to look the part in Mourinho's final four games. He was getting the run in the team. I was at the Newcastle game and he, he looked to be the senior centre-back when he was starting alongside Sanchez. Um, but the new managers who've come in have always just seemed to opt for experience and that's just been unfortunate for Joe. But I think the one player who might be better suited to the back three may be Jaffa Tanganga, especially if you go in again with the overlapping centre-backs, what we've seen in the past two games. Ben Davis has been very far upfield. I think he's had a couple of chances on goal. Uh, we all know Romero likes to move up the pitch and that was the case against Vitesse and against Everton. So is Tanganga the one maybe more suited to that role, given he has played as a right-back this season and he was getting upfield and, you know, trying to make an impact in the final third. And Tanganga as well will have the benefit of spending the past two weeks with Conte at Hotspur Way. So maybe for me... Maybe put Dyer on the right and put Sanchez in the centre then. Because Dyer doesn't yeah. mind getting up the pitch a bit, does he? Yeah, he's definitely got options. I think for me, if he wants to stick with Dyer in the middle, then Tanganga might be the better suitor to being on the right and being given a bit of a license to push forward. But 
we'll find out anyway. Uh, come three thirty on Sunday afternoon, he's certainly got plenty of options to choose from, and that's I think it's always a good thing for a head coach. Another decision he does have to make is who takes Oliver Skip's place in midfield. Skip is suspended for this weekend's game. He's had five bookings in the Premier League. To be honest, a couple of them were extremely harsh, notably the Wolves (laughs) one and the Aston Villa one. What, to be honest, I don't even think were fouls. So it's extremely unlucky, but that gives someone else another chance. So Conte has already said that he's going to be one of Tangi Ondombele or Winky, as he is now known. That's Harry Winks. So we don't know whether Conte just can't pronounce the S in Winks and he wants to say Winksy or he's now known as Winky. I think but, it's a new nickname. I think it's a new nickname. We got yeah. two, didn't we? We got Winky and we got Hobby and he called Skip Skippy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, will it be Hobby and Winky in the middle at uh, the weekend? You know, it could be. It could well be in the Hobby and Winky uh, axis. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, I think. Winks, when he came on in that home game against Vitesse, I thought he was very good in his final 15 minutes on the pitch. Obviously played that ball over the top for Emerson Royale, what saw the keeper got sent off, then went on a really good mazy run through the heart of the team late on. You know, he more than did his job in that game, but if it's Winks and Hoibjerg and you're sticking with that 3-4-3, three, three, then it's not exactly the most attack-minded midfield, so... Yeah, Conte's got a decision to make whether it is Winks or it is Ndombele. And I think I know who you want in that midfield. <laughs> well, uh, I think only purely, and it's not because, you know, I've got my laminated Tongi membership uh, fan club card, but I just feel I'd like to see this a switch. I mean, eventually, I think I'd like to see the switch more to the uh, three-four-one-two. I, I I think that would suit Spurs better. But in terms of this weekend, you know, it might surprise everyone. He might play them both. Um, he maybe will go to the three-four-one-two, and he just has Winks and um, Winky and Hobby behind uh, Tongi. Um, I don't know. It, it, sometimes you try and read too much into things like, you know, do you read into the fact that the first name that came to his mind was Winks when he was talking about the two players? Uh, you know, it may be that that's just his subtle thing for plonkers like me to read too much into and and uh, presume that Winks is going to play. Um, like, yeah, like you, I kind of saw bits of the second half and I was away. I saw the second half. I saw Winks come on and, and play well against Vitesse. I don't think he featured at all against Everton. Did he get any minutes? I don't even no, know. no. He, he um, was on the bench for the whole game. Yeah, so it depends. If he feels he needs that solid shield in front of the defence and the two play, he needs two players to, to fulfil that, then maybe it will be Winks. I just want to call him Winky now from now on. It's just, it's, I've heard it far more amusing. Um, yeah, personally, I go with Tongi because I think... Um, you just, I think Spurs are just missing that little through ball through the centre, the creativity. Um, and while Son, Lucas and Kane, of course, can all create something out of nothing, they're those kind of players. I do think they also rely on or they need a little bit of a through ball unless you have Kane pulls back to be that um, playmaker. But I get the impression with Conte, he kind of wants him to be in the box. I feel like he wants him to be his... Is number nine up there, as it were. I know he's technically a number 10, but yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about the Tongi question? Do you want to talk about when I held my laminated card aloft and waved it at Antonio and asked him about Tongi? We can go now. Yeah. Do you want to go now? Yeah, can I can? Uh, yeah, obviously, nice it was one question per person in there in the press conferences. So, of course, <laughs> you had to ask about Tongi on the belly. I think the same question you'd asked was it Jose previously? Well, this was about my thinking. How- yeah, this was exactly my thinking. Was that it was very similar to the question I asked Jose about? I don't know, two year, two and a half years ago, quite a while. I just wanted to see, almost like a contrast and compare the answers. You know, to see how they dealt with it and. Conte went in strong. <laughs> he went in straight away. He just I I wondered whether having had two weeks with um Tongi that he'd, you know, he would have uh, I think that's the thing. When Jose properly got Tongi to knuckle down, there was very much you could see his attitude towards him change. And he was very much, he's doing what I want, I like him, kind of thing. Whereas you can tell that I think. I don't know, again, it might be reading too much into it, but I'm guessing, as most of the players have done, they maybe have struggled slightly with the physical elements of the last two weeks because it's going to be in a gruelling one. What I thought was most interesting about it was just it was a real, almost like a sermon to Tongi Undembele to say, you know, you, you are incredibly talented. You are. But if you're going to play for Tongi Undembele and not for the team, then you're not going to work under me. And it was really, it was really strong stuff, essentially saying that, you know, there's no point just running around. If everyone just runs around, then it's a mess. And he made it very clear that Antonio Conte, that every, he said, everyone in my team, they have my idea and they have a task to do. And that's what they have to do. They have to do that task. And it was very clear to Thomas. So he's clearly has already noticed in training, you know, maybe... Because this is the thing, everyone says when they talk about Tongi and Train that he's the best, he's like incredible to watch, he does these incredible things. But maybe Conte doesn't want to see incredible things. Maybe in these training sessions, he just wants to see him do exactly what he's told him to do. So it's going to be a really fascinating one. It is going to be similar to what we all thought with Jose when he first came in and Tongi. How do you, are you taking the individual out of an individual? Are you taking the thing that makes him kind of that little bit of magic, that je ne sais quoi, you know? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really going to be fascinating to see because there is a part of me that feels that if Tongi does what Antonio Conte wants, but with that little flourish as well, the little magic he can bring, it could be incredible. It could be the absolute making of him as a Spurs and Premier League player. But if he maybe finds it tough and maybe, I don't want to say reverts to type, but, you know, does what we've seen him do, which is be quite inconsistent at times, have brilliant games and then dip down again in other games. If he does that, it's not going to work. Conte won't muck around. He won't, you know, won't have him as a passenger. And, and you know, worst case scenario, it could end up even being bringing towards the end of his Tottenham time. Because this is, you know... As, as people rightly said, when I put this out on Twitter, people said, yeah, but every manager said stuff like this. And it's like, you can't disagree with that. I don't know if anyone's gone in quite this hard as, as early. Um, <clears throat> and it's now about how Tongi reacts. Um, I'm sure he, Conte has said he had one-to-ones with every player in the last two weeks. So Tongi will have had, they'd have had a big old chat because if he can get the best of Tongi, Tongi, could be well certainly up there with Spurs best players 
I was going to say maybe, maybe the most naturally gifted player Tottenham have. Um, so yeah, you you don't want to waste that, but ultimately, it's down to Tongi whether he wastes it. And this is a great thing I think about Conte coming in. Um, whatever you want to say about longevity, how long he might be there, everything. Whatever he says now, if the players don't listen, they're stupid. And that, that might sound really harsh, but if you, you know, there's elements of maybe they slightly, slightly push Nuno under the bus. Maybe, you know, you could argue, some might argue that the, he was driving the bus and he'd put it in front of goal and that, that was, they weren't attacking enough. But, you know, you can't get away with that with Conte. You just can't. This man is one of the best managers in the world right now. He is, his, his CV is littered with success. Um, and he's doing it in a now. You know, that was one of the things maybe some people would say about Mourinho that was, was he still the same Mourinho? You know, that was one criticism that was le- uh, leveled against him. Conte is Conte. He is at his absolute peak as a manager probably right now. And if you're not going to listen to what he tells you to do when you know that he's told this to other people before and they have won titles, then I can only repeat, you're stupid. You are. You're You're not... Uh, you, you're not wanting to win. You're not wanting to follow the blueprint that has brought incredible success to the players under his reign. Um, and I'm hoping none of the Tottenham players are stupid. I'm hoping that they will all absolutely do what they're told and you and I will get to report on some incredible stuff at Tottenham over the next, whatever, year, 18 months, however long Antonio Conte gives the, uh, the, you know, gives the club, hopefully a long time. It may be the club that changes him in that. But yeah. So sorry, I've gone a bit off topic there, but it, it kind of on the same idea with Tongi. I hope he listens because there's such a player in there, and I don't want him to waste him. What we've seen anyway from Antonio's past few clubs is it's all about the team. If you're not willing to put yeah. in the effort, etc., you will not be playing. So I think that's everyone at Tottenham will know that now, including Tongi. And the one thing you don't want to lose with Tongi is. His individuality. I think you need someone in the team who can produce something off the cuff. Uh, just make some, make a bit of magic happen in the final third. You don't want all players to be robots. There sometimes you just want someone yeah. to take a bit of a chance and produce something. And Tongi's got all these qualities in his locker. We've seen it time and time again. He can do it, but it's just doing it over a consistent period and getting the best out of him week in week out. Uh, Jose came close, don't you? I thought Jose yeah. managed to get him to perform his team duties and combine it with the individual stuff. So it's there. He can do it. Yeah, it's definitely there. I think we saw that last season. That's uh, like that Sheffield United game yeah. when he was in midfield and scored that brilliant chip over either being Ramsdale. Uh, yeah, we've seen it plenty of times. We've seen it when he's got two men on him and he just turns them with ease. Uh, there's definitely the quality there. And I think Conte is someone who, you know, can get the best out of players and take them on another level. I mean, look at Victor Moses at Chelsea. He was a player who was yeah. always getting sent out on loan every season. He was just never getting a look in. And Conte improved him so much. And he played the key part in that uh, title winning season in 16-17. So... Hopefully, it's the same for all Tottenham players and especially Tongi because Tottenham do have a very good player there. They just need to somehow solve the puzzle and get it out of him week in, week out. Anyway, we'll move on from Tongi now as there's still plenty of other uh, (laughs) things to talk about. 
We'll talk about the international break anyway. We briefly mentioned it. It was an extremely good international break up until that Argentina-Brazil game. Plenty of positives to take out of it. Notably, Kane's seven goals against Albania and San Marino. Yes, of course, you've got to take the opposition uh, into question. But strikers still have to score those those goals are still have to be in the correct positions and he scored seven and I think that will early do him the world of God. I don't think it matters who he scored against, how he scored, but with strikers, if they're going through a bit of a lull, once they seem to get one, it does lift the confidence and then they seem to be getting on a bit of a run. I think Kane's only got the one, hasn't he, so far in the Premier League this season. So potentially could work wonders for him. It could. I mean, what I'd always say, and yes, I completely understand that the standard of the opposition was not, you know, we're not talking top level, even decent level, really. What I would say is look at the quality of the strikes. Um, you know, obviously, the uh, the third one against, Al, was it Albania, wasn't it? That lovely kind of yeah, scissors yeah. kick, that was fantastic. The second goal against Albania was very good. Some of the feet he showed uh, for a couple of the San Marino goals, the San Marino goals as well. There was um, there was just something coming back into him, wasn't there? there? You could see the confidence, and you could see that, and I think it will help Spurs massively. He has been really excited by the arrival of Conte. I think that's changed things. I don't think we'd seen it yet, Kane. I don't think we'd seen in the first two games the proper Harry Kane that we know. Um, but I'd be, you know, intrigued to see with a little bit of extra fitness, a bit of confidence coming back. Sunday is the kind of game, I'm trying to think if he scored a couple against Leeds last time, didn't he? I feel like there was a home game and Leeds were playing really well and then suddenly Spurs just smacked, like, smashed three goals past them and it suddenly just changed the whole course of the game. I feel like yeah, I think scored, I, I think he scored in the first game, uh, the return game at Ellen Road. I think it was Son who scored. But I think, did Kane have a goal disallowed? for offside or something like that. It was literally right. marginal, something like that. Right. But yeah, it definitely scored in the home game. Yeah, yeah. And I just think, uh, you know, I think we're probably all getting a bit bored by the Kane narrative now. You know, I think we just want him to get back to Harry Kane and what he did. And, you know, there's no reason now for him to still be in the kind of slump and doldrums that he was relatively in the start of the season. He's got one of the best managers of the world. Um, club show. He said it himself. The club showed ambition in bringing Conte in. That's what he wanted. Um, I, I genuinely think. While this season, I think we'll see a few up and downs because it's Conte's first kind of, you know, mid-season in a long time coming into a club rather than getting the preseason. I think next season should be really exciting for Tottenham. I think it really should. His, his kind of the pattern of his time at clubs. He's really shown that he can. They only improve. Um, so if I was Harry Kane, I'd be thinking, you know, let's like start looking forward now. Again, you can't make someone do that, but I, I can't see how we don't end up getting the proper Harry Kane back in the weeks ahead. And I hope we get a much fitter Harry Kane as well, because the Harry Kane under Mourinho, although he scored a hell of a lot of goals and a lot of assists, he got obviously won both awards. I still think physically he was at his peak under Poch. Um, you know, some people might say maybe the ankle injuries prevent him from getting back to that. I don't know, but certainly we'll see a very different Kane, I think, in the weeks ahead. Fingers crossed. 
Yeah, one other player who scored, Stephen Bergwijn. I think that goal could be huge for him uh, yeah. to send Holland through to the World Cup. I think Holland were on course to qualify anyway with a point against Norway, but there was always the threat of if Norway went up and scored, then Holland would have dropped down to third. Yeah. So they needed a goal to, you know, give themselves a bit of breathing space. And it was an extremely good finish. And what it was one of probably a player who looks to be in top form, full of confidence. He took it really, really well. And uh, an assist Euro at 96, the end. wasn't it? The irony yeah. against Netherlands. It was exactly the same cut and a yeah. cross strike. Yeah, saw many comparing it as well to that goal. And then the one at the end, uh, there was a quick break. Uh, he went to the edge of the area, one-on-one with the keeper. I think probably 99.9% of people would have expected him to shoot, especially going on uh, scoring a few minutes earlier. But he decided to play it across to Depay, who made it 2-0. So I think, yeah, that could be huge for Bergwijn because last season... He needed the goal, and that everyone knows. Obviously, he missed those two chances at Liverpool. What was could have been such a key moment in the season, really, because Tottenham were top of the table. Then it was one-one. Could have got the three points and filled anything if they did. I think Jose Mourinho could still be Tottenham manager if they'd won that. Everything after that just seemed to come apart. So it's all yeah. Steven Bergwijn's fault. You're saying Jose Mourinho throws darts at a photo of Stephen Bergwijn in his Roma office wall. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I think if Tottenham <laughs> did win that game, things could have been a lot, lot different last season. And Bergwijn did manage to get a goal, a penultimate home game in the season against Villa. It was an absolute rocket, but it was just too little too late in the season for him to get up onto uh, another run of form and get his confidence up there but he started this season well the injury he sustained in the first international break and then did it again didn't he in the Ren game had a bit of a reoccurrence of that injury that's not helped him at all but I think he'll certainly will have returned to Hotspur way uh, in confident mood and yeah he'll be looking to really kick on on the Conte I'm intrigued to see where he plays him because yeah. You know, Nuno, in a rare moment of gushing about a player, properly went off about Bergwijn, didn't he? How much they missed him, what a great player he was and everything. And I understand why, because I think he is one of the hardest working kind of players at Spurs on the pitch and everything. And he gives you everything, a bit like Lucas does, similar kind of guy in that respect. And I'm intrigued to see what Conte makes of him. But I'm also intrigued to see where he fits in on the pitch, because obviously now wingers maybe aren't as necessary as they were with the wing-back system. Um, so, I mean, Bergwijn can play in a number 10 role. He can play up front. There's a part of me that wonders whether he could end up being a converted wing-back because um, I think he probably could play the role. Um, or maybe he will stick with a, a 3-4-3 um, and Bergwijn comes in on one of those left or right-hand positions. But, uh, yeah, you know, people know, like, listen to me talk about Bergwijn. I think Bergwijn just hasn't had that moment. There's been so many sliding doors moments for him when, like you say, against Liverpool, just little moments where if he'd chosen to shoot instead of pass or he'd chosen to pass instead of shot and, and 
it just hasn't quite clicked. And like you, I really hope that that massive goal for the Netherlands, it was such a big goal, you know, we kind of talk about, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's a level of Beckham against Greece, the free kick kind of thing, but back home in the Netherlands, you know, it was a big goal. Um, and he will come back really confident, but it'd be interesting to see because presumably, unless he surprises us, Bergwijn will be back on the bench. Um, he's almost kind of going away from a big high and coming back to being the bench bloke again at Tottenham. Um, obviously, against Moura, you'd expect he might rotate and he might come in. But yeah, no, I hope I hope it works out for Bergwijn at Tottenham. And maybe this is a big problem at Tottenham too. But we're, there's too many players we're saying I hope that it works out for them. You know, and it just for one reason or another hasn't worked. Could be the constant changes in managers. It could be anything. But yeah, maybe that's um, something that is 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 holding Tottenham back is that they haven't had enough players who have just hit the ground running and kept going with it. Even Romero, you know, we'd hoped he'd be one that did that. And here we are talking about him being out again for uh, different reasons this time. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe it comes down to recruitment. You know, anyone that read the, my story the other day. Paratici and Steve Hitchin are both apparently um, overhauling the scouting system. Maybe he's a different kind of player. I don't know. They're looking for in the future, but all change at top. Yeah, there's definitely a good player in Bergwijn. The same with Ed Belli, It's just getting it out of him. We saw in his first few weeks that Spurs, it was the dream debut, wasn't it? That cracking goal against Man City and then got one against Wolves and unfortunately then... The pandemic hit and football uh, went on pause for a few months. So, yeah. Well, that helped him. That did actually help him. Yeah. You remember we got the um, the ankle injury against Burnley, wasn't it? Oh, he did, yeah. He yeah, did. Yeah. Yes, can remember that. And then he scored against Man U when they returned. Man U in the return, yeah. Big old goal from distance, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully we'll see. He's got everything about him to be a success. He has. It's just got a click for him. Yeah. Right, we'll move on. We'll talk a bit about Leeds United since they will be visiting Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday. You wouldn't have known from the press conference, though. Not one no. question. <laughs> I felt it was a bit bad. I kind of, and I was the last question of like the broadcast bit. I was like, oh, should I really ask about Leeds? I was kind of like, oh, I want to ask about Tongi. But yeah, no one actually asked about them the entire press conference. Yeah, well, Bielsa was asked about Conte and Quite a couple of interesting answers, what I'm going to do some on for later on London. But getting back to Leeds, not been a good season from so far. Obviously, last year, back in the Premier League, after a 16-year absence, finished in the top half in the end. Uh, got some really good results at home against the top six. Uh, played some very good football, then outran every single team in the division. Uh, they really caught the eye on the Bielsa, but things just... Don't seem to have gone to plan for them so far. They've won two from their first 11 games, 15th in the table. To be honest, I think they're looking over the shoulder a bit at the moment, uh, given how they've struggled. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game. So it's two teams who need to win uh, on Sunday. Leeds will once again be without Patrick Bamford. That His absence in the past month or so has certainly not helped him and maybe contributed to their uh, bad form. But you know what you're going to get with the Bielsa side, and that is a lot of running and a lot of good play. And they've got a player in Rafinha, 
who plays on the right, who is extremely good. So Ben Davis, providing he does start as the left-sided centre-back, and Sergio Regalon, if he's left-back, uh, left wing back again, they're going to have quite a, a task on their hands trying to stop him. So what are you expecting then on Sunday from the game? Well, do you know what? It's probably, oh, it depends which way you look at it, it's either the best possible game or the worst possible game after the Spurs players have been worked like dogs in the last couple of weeks. You know, to, the, the whole point has been, you know, not only the players there working on their fitness with like a mini boot camp, but also the players that went away on international duty, given extra sessions, like training schedules to do after their international work. So this will be a fitter Tottenham Hotspur than before the international break. And yeah, you are going to be tested because Leeds run. They do. The Bielsa style is is high energy. It's constant movement. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's like we said, the previous games have been a strange one, you know, especially the, the home game last season. It was very much... Leeds started really well and then Tottenham just absolutely changed the direction of the match really quickly and clinically. But Spurs haven't been clinical this season. That hasn't really been what they have. So unless, like we say, the confidence of some of those players involved makes that happen, um, it's going to be another tough battle back in front of the, the Tottenham fans as well. I'd imagine it'll be a pretty, pretty full Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well, bearing in mind the Conte effect. Um yeah, it's a good one. I, I like uh, I like Bielsa. I think he's uh, he's one of the game's characters. Um, there is always this thing. There is this feeling, isn't there, about his teams that maybe as the seasons go on, he works them so hard they do just become naturally knackered. Um, I, I'd imagine that's probably not the case this early in this season, and I think it's probably more to do with injuries. You know, Bamford especially, he was such a focal point for them. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great game. I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to see how Conte approaches it tactically, whether he decides to make a, a solid team or whether he feels at home he should go for it a bit more. I think I know probably <laughs> where his his thoughts might lie. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's a, two teams that are utterly capable of scoring lots of goals and utterly capable of conceding lots of goals. So... Um, Probably be a nil-nil draw, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be your first game back at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in what must be almost two months and first Tottenham game in yeah. person since mid-October as well. I know, it's weird. COVID and holidays all conspired to keep me away from Tottenham matches. So um, now it'll be good to get back. I have missed it. Um, it's Tottenham. It's weird, isn't it? How in the world anyone can miss Tottenham is beyond me with the pain and the strange things that they do, but they are very addictive. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game on Sunday. Uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about Antonio Conte collecting his first three points in the Premier League as Tottenham manager when we reflect on the game on Monday on the latest episode of Golden Guest Tot Tottenham. We'll also be looking ahead to another European trip, NS Mura, on the agenda this week. You you are heading out to Slovenia via a number of countries, I believe. <laughs> it's going to be a bit chilly. I've, just, I've looked at the temperatures. It's going to be a bit of a cold one, but hopefully that will prepare me for the harsh winter to come. Yeah, and then on the Sunday, we're at Turf Moor once again for the second time this season, so... Yes, that will be extremely cold at Turf Moor. 
uh, as always, up at the top of the stand. So, yeah, I think we'll leave that there for today's latest episode of Golden Guest Top Tottenham as ever. Just keep with us at football.london for all your latest Tottenham news. And if you'd like to leave us a review, please do so on iTunes, uh, ratings and reviews. Yeah, they always go down well for us. So as ever, thank you for listening in and just keep with us at football.london.